Well, good morning, everybody. Let me introduce myself. My name is not Dr. Gordon T. Smith, president of Ambrose University. Um, a couple of days ago, uh, Dr. Smith emailed me and said that he had a medical incident uh, and was in hospital. Uh, he had an overnight stay. They did some tests, and uh, they've told him that he needs, they've sent him back home. He seems to be okay, but there are some concerns. Um, and so they've asked him to cancel all of his appointments and meetings. Um, and so uh, last night, uh, it fell to me to come <laughs> break open uh, the bread of life to you today. So I would just like to begin uh, with a word of prayer. Thank you, Father, for this opportunity uh, that we have to gather in this place at this time on Good Friday. And Father, thank you that you did send your Son, Jesus, as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. This is why we are here, to celebrate, to remember who he is and why he came. May we enter in, Lord, to the suffering and the sacrifice of Jesus today. In Jesus' name, amen. So the last section, we've been in the Gospel of Mark since last fall, and the last, uh, we had three segments, um, the power of the kingdom, the path of the kingdom, and we've been in this last section of the Gospel of Mark called the passion of the kingdom. And the word passion comes from the Greek word pasco, which actually means to suffer. That's what it means. That's why we, we say the passion of Christ, the suffering of Christ. Uh, Good Friday, as we know, is a day to remember, to commemorate Jesus' death on the cross. Thank you so much, uh, Pastor Trent, and for uh, Ryan and Steph and the worship team and the whole production team in the back for putting this together today. Um, thank you all for being here. But we're here today to remember that when Jesus died, he did not just die as an mar ordinary martyr. He died as an atoning sacrifice for the sins of all humanity. In his life, Jesus experienced what it meant to be human, like us. And in his death, he experienced what it meant to suffer the way that we sometimes suffer. So what I hope for today's message is that it will help you to appreciate more profoundly how much God really does love you. And how that same love, it was that same love, the love of the Father and the love of the Son that compelled Jesus to go to the cross and to suffer as he did. And I hope that today you'll walk away with even deeper gratitude for what it meant for him to come and to suffer and to go to the cross. You know, this story for us is one that we know very well for those of us that are well-churched and who've been uh, Christians for many years. And so sometimes we lose um, the, the depth of what it really meant for Jesus to do what he did. So I hope that today you'll leave here more grateful, more thankful for what he did, and that it will compel you to do this, to walk away determined to follow in his steps, to follow the way of the cross. I hope that today you'll take it personally, what happened to him. 
what we just heard read in Mark chapter 15. Take it personally and make it personal. So as we know, and this is what I spoke on last Sunday, Jesus was anointed for his burial. We've learned that it was Mary of Bethany who anointed him for his burial. Uh, Jesus, after that, Jesus and the 12 disciples, including Judas, celebrated the Passover, which we often refer to as the Last Supper. And then Jesus took the bread and the cup, and he shared it even with Judas. And then during that dinner, Jesus said, you will all desert me. And Peter said, no, not I. I won't do that. I'll be your most faithful disciple. I'll even die for you. And Jesus predicted that Peter, he said, you're going to deny me three times before the rooster crows. And then that brings us to the Garden of Gethsemane, which I've been to. I was in Israel in 1999, and, and it's on the Mount of Olives. And you can, you can see uh, the Temple Mount, and you can see Jerusalem from that height. And I just want to begin reading this in Mark chapter 14, beginning at verse 32. It says, They went to a place, so Jesus went with three disciples, James, Peter, and John, to a place called Gethsemane, and Jesus said to his disciples, Sit here while I pray. He took Peter, James, and John along with him, and he began to be deeply distressed and troubled. My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death, he said. Stay here and keep watch. And what I want to talk about this morning is, is and I want to ask the question, what uh, did Jesus experience in the Garden of Gethsemane? It tells us in verse 35 that he was deeply distressed and troubled. He told his disciples in verse 34, he said, I am overwhelmed with sorrow. It, it was like the sorrow in, within him was so deep, it's like it stabbed at his heart like a knife. Some of you have experienced that same kind of sorrow. In the Greek, the word actually uh, means exceedingly sorrowful. It's like it's the, the best word to say that he was in complete anguish of heart. And so what was Jesus' response when he was in deep anguish, deep sorrow? His response was the same as our response would be, to pray. How difficult is it to pray when things are going well? We often forget to pray when everything is going well. When do we tend to drop to our knees? It's in those times of great need, of great sorrow. For Jesus he prayed continually. He prayed every day. He prayed even through the night. But even here, he comes before the Father. This is Jesus, the Son of God. And so he, there were no words of comfort, no words of counsel that could ease the pain and the grief that he was feeling at this point. And sometimes you and I have gone through that. I know some of you here today, some watching online, are going through something right now. A heartache, grief, loss. It could be an illness. It could be a financial loss. It could be a family crisis. Something's happening in your family. Maybe it's a broken relationship and you're grieving that. Jesus was experiencing the same thing. In Luke's gospel, it said that he was in deep sorrow and he prayed even more earnestly. And so... Even though Jesus was the Son of God, even though he was divine, 
he still needed to pray. This was his practice throughout his life. He didn't have the strength. Jesus did not have the strength within himself to face this suffering alone. He experienced isolation. You know, somebody once said, when you face death, you can have people all around you, around your bedside, but you actually face death alone. You cross over by yourself, except the Lord is with you. Jesus experienced that, that same sense of abandonment that we sometimes feel. And he needed the comfort. He needed the strength that only his heavenly father could provide. So the question is, is why did Jesus experience sorrow? What was he grieving about? Maybe it was the rejection of the Jewish people because so many rejected him, the chief priests and the elders. Or maybe it was uh, knowing about Judas's betrayal or Peter's denial. Or maybe it was the humiliation that he was about to experience as he carried that cross, as he was beaten and mocked and scorned. Or maybe it was just the torture. It was probably all of the above. All of these things are weighing upon him, but there's something else that probably, I think, and many Bible scholars believe, was um, tormenting him even more deeply. I believe that he sorrowed over us. How many parents are there in this world today who are grieving over a wayward son or daughter? Grieving over the choices that they're making in their lives. Self-destructive behaviors, turning away from God. And we grieve deeply. And I believe that Jesus in that moment, he knows he's about to uh, carry upon his shoulders the sins of a world that has forgotten God. And he's in deep sorrow for us. For us. He knew he was about to bear our sins. And we do know, as, as we've gone through the Gospel of Mark, Jesus told his disciples on three different occasions at least, he said of himself, the Son of Man is going to be betrayed into the hands of the chief priests and the elders, and he will die and rise on the third day. And they never really understood that. So Jesus knew, he knew this, this was going to happen, and yet he still was in deep sorrow. And so now he was about to enter an epic struggle for you and me. So there was sorrow, and there was struggle. Even though Jesus understood that this was his destiny, there was still a battle to be fought. And I want you to hear this. There was a real drama going on in the Garden of Gethsemane. And how it would end, if you were reading Mark's gospel for the first time and you, you were like uh, an irreligious person who knew nothing about this and you just happened to come across a copy of Mark's gospel and you were reading it, you, you, you don't know the ending yet. We're sitting here today and we know, you know, Sunday's coming. But they didn't know that. The disciples didn't know it at that time. And the ending was uncertain. And there was high drama. And it tells us this. And this is found in verses 35 and 36. Going a little farther, he fell to the ground. And he prayed that if possible, the hour might pass from him. Abba, Father, he said, everything is possible for you. Take this cup from me. Take this cup from me. Yet not what I will, but what you will. 
This is a little bit like when you've watched a movie that you've seen before, and you, you know, maybe you saw it five years earlier, and you know that the outcome's going to be okay, and you have a pretty good idea about how it's going to end, but you're still on the edge of your seat anyway. Jesus knew what the outcome was going to be. The Father knew what the outcome was going to be. Uh, but for those who are reading Mark's gospel for the first time, it was uncertain. And so Jesus prays, Abba, Father, take this cup, yet not what I will, but what you will. Question is, what was this cup that Jesus said, Father, if it's possible to take this cup from me, then please take it. But I want your will to be done more than anything. Have you ever prayed a prayer like that? The cup was the cup of suffering. The cup of suffering. And I hope you can sense the struggle that he was enduring. Uh, we know from Luke's gospel that it says that the Lord sent an angel to come alongside of him. And um, if you've ever felt encouraged by a friend or a loved one during a time of deep sorrow or epic struggle, you know that person's like an angel of God to you in that moment. Jesus needed that. Yes, he was the son of God. Yes, he knew this was his destiny, but in this moment, it felt so real. The, the sorrow and the anguish was so, it cut so deep. And an angel of the Lord came to him to comfort him. But who else do you think was there? Most Bible scholars would read into this that the devil, Satan, the adversary was also there. Do you remember when Jesus was tempted in the wilderness? He was tested for 40 days, 40 nights, three temptations, and Jesus resisted. But once again, as Jesus faces his final hour, Satan, I believe, came to him in that moment. And now Jesus is in this epic, this cosmic struggle for the souls of all humanity. I came across this quote in a Bible commentary. It said, the cost of rejecting the easy way became very clear to Jesus. He rejected the easy way. Now in the garden, Satan returns in force and in all his majesty as the prince of this world to avenge his earlier defeat. And Jesus sees now in appalling immediacy the full cost of his steadfast obedience. He's looking into this cup. And what does he see? Betrayal, denial, false accusations, scorn, ridicule, humiliation, torture. And Jesus looks into the cup and he struggles in his humanness to accept what he knows is inevitable. He looks and sees the full horror of its content and he recoils in revulsion. But these things I just mentioned, betrayal, denial, scorn, ridicule, torture, many humans experience those things. But there was something else in that cup. And it's this. Jesus was about to carry a burden that no one else could carry. To bear the burden of our sins. He suffered 
Not like us, where we suffer often for our own sins. He suffered for our sins. His struggle was not a battle against his own sinful tendencies or persistent temptations that wouldn't go away. When Jesus struggled, he was fighting our battle. When he struggled, it was for us. His struggle was not to conquer his own sins because he was without sin. It was to conquer our sins. And so he was going to take upon himself the sins of the world. And we often think about this as this was now that, that he was going to become sin on the cross and then every wrong thing that you and I have ever thought or said or done for our entire lives and of every human who ever lived, that he would take all of that upon himself and he would become as black as darkness and, and that the Father's wrath was upon him. But there's something deeper going on here. And Hebrews chapter 12 tells us this. What he was experiencing was the wrath of humanity against him. People's hostility against him. They were hostile towards him. Crucify him, they said. They hated him in that moment. They ridiculed him and they mocked him. He experienced our hatred and our hostility. All the stuff that we see going on in our world and Russia invading the Ukraine and all the the heartache that's going on. He experienced that hostility. I, I believe that Jesus understands what the Ukrainian people are going through. But then there was something even deeper. And that was, as he hung on the, as he, and he knew he was going to hang on this cross. He knew that he would, at that point, experience being forsaken by his Father in heaven. The Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. God existed from all eternity as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Three in one. An eternal fellowship. And Jesus took this great cosmic risk when he came and became human. And on the cross, he said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He felt forsaken in that moment. And it's like, God, have you ever seen something so horrible or someone in such pain and anguish that sometimes you just can't look and you just have to turn away. Not because you reject them. But the pain is just so, so deep. And the father just, it's almost like the father could not look upon his son in that moment. And Jesus felt for the first time in eternity what it was like to be separated from his father. So sometimes people will say, well, Jesus knew it was going to happen, and he knew the outcome. He'd rise from the dead. He knew that he was ascended to heaven, so no problem. You know, he's just fulfilling a script. You know, he knew what the script was. He read it ahead of time. No problem. Not at all. And one of the questions that is sometimes asked is, could Jesus have chosen to not embrace the cross? Could he have? And the answer is yes. The decision, the choice he made was a real choice. Folks, let us not believe for a moment that his choice was not a true choice. He was not some chump, some whipping boy uh, that, that 
you know, that the Father chose to punish in that moment for the sins of the world. Jesus chose the cross. And in that moment, though, there was a struggle. And I believe that he, he was experiencing some fear and some anguish. The fear of taking the sins of the world upon him. I don't think it was the physical torture so much and the whipping and the beating as much as that he would experience our sins upon himself. It was real. The choice was real. The battle could have been won or lost in the Garden of Gethsemane. It's like all of heaven is probably just on tiptoe watching, like what's going to happen? Perhaps. So he says, Abba, Father, everything is possible for you. Take this cup from me, yet not what I will, but what you will. And what's really poignant about Jesus' struggle in Gethsemane is that he did, he prayed this prayer three times, he prayed through. Uh, old timers in the Church of the Nazarene used to talk about praying through. How many of you are familiar with that, that term, praying through? Yeah, wow, this is a different generation. Yeah, Trent is. Trent was born with a Bible in his hands. <laughs> but you know what? He, he prayed through. He prayed through to the point of surrender. Sorrow, then struggle, and then surrender. He prayed through until finally there was a complete surrender and a submission to the will of the Father. It tells us in verses 37 to 40 that, you know, every time Jesus prayed, remember he did that three times, he'd go down a little ways to be alone, and then he came back to his disciples. What were they doing? They were sleeping. We're waiting for him to return now, but not from a short distance in the garden. We're waiting for his return. Are we sleeping? Or are we awake? Are we praying with him? So finally, after the third time, it says this in verses 41 to 42. Returning the third time, he said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? Enough! The hour has come. Look, the Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us go. Here comes my betrayer. This was where the battle was won. In Gethsemane, now Jesus was ready to fully embrace the cross. He could have chosen the path of least resistance, the easy way out, but he chose the road less traveled. He chose the hard road, the way of the cross. Bible commentary William Barclay said this, this was the very hinge and turning point in Jesus' life. He could have turned back, even yet. He could have turned back. He could have refused the cross. The salvation of the whole world hung in the balance as the Son of God literally sweated it out in Gethsemane, and he won. He won. So, Jesus does understand our human condition. He understands our sorrows. He understands our struggle. He experienced it. When he uttered those, will, those words, not my will, but yours be done, that 
was an act of surrender. When he did that the third time. And it wasn't like God the Father held a gun to his head and gave him a, an offer he couldn't refuse. It wasn't like that at all. This was Jesus' choice. Jesus' struggle in Gethsemane was not, when he was struggling, it wasn't defiance and it wasn't rebellion, it wasn't selfishness. And when he finally surrendered, it wasn't like uh, saying uncle with your arm behind your back. It wasn't like a, a begrudging compliance, but it was a full surrender. In the book of Hebrews, it tells us, it calls it reverent submission reverential submission. That's what he experienced. It was like he was saying, Father, I'm so afraid. I'm so alone. But I want your will more than mine. So I will drink this cup to the dregs. And there's only one thing that could have enabled him to push through the way he did and in a word, it was love. It was love. The love of the Father for us who are so undeserving, who are sinful, who rejected him, and many who still reject him. The love of the Son for us. Uh, it was love that compelled him. And what makes Jesus' suffering so remarkable to me is that he didn't have to go through with it. But he did. He could have called, as we, there's a song about this, an old song. He could have called the legion of angels. He could have called 10,000 angels. He didn't. He could have exercised his miraculous powers as people said to him, if you're really the son of God, come down from the cross. But it says, he stayed on the cross. He hung there until he breathed his last he chose to embrace it because he knew it was necessary. The cross was necessary. So he was not an involuntary scapegoat. He wasn't God's punching bag. He was our punching bag. Jesus gave himself voluntarily and his heart was breaking. And Jesus died of a broken heart on the cross alone and abandoned. And so what's our response? Jesus experienced the deepest sorrow. He faced an epic struggle for our souls. But in the end, he surrendered to the will of the Father. And he's calling you and me to surrender in the way that he did. In 1 Peter chapter 2, to this you were called. To this you and me. You were called. We were called to follow in his steps. He committed, he committed no sin. And no deceit was found in his mouth. When they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. We are called to follow in his steps and do the same. Not retaliate, 
but to trust our Father in heaven. That's why Jesus said in Mark chapter 8, if anyone will come after me, he, she must take up his cross, deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Follow me on the way of the cross. So we are called today. This is Good Friday. This is what it's about. It is not for us just to exalt Christ and worship him only. Yes, we must do that. But we are called to follow in his steps and to bear our own cross as a way of life. When we're faced with the loss of all we hold dear, loss of control, how about you? Are you feeling loss of control? How about our world? Maybe it's something personal with you. It brings us to the dark night of the soul. I'm thinking about my friend and member of our church, Douglas Lagos, one of our Spanish lay people, father with 16-year-old daughter, 2-year-old son, diagnosis of non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, cancer. I think about somebody like that. I think about the people of Ukraine. I think about many of you who are experiencing deep sorrow, anguish, fear, loss of control. But that's when we need to surrender and say, Lord, I don't have control. You do. My times are in your hand. Surrender to God's will is often preceded by sorrow and sometimes fear, and I believe that Jesus experienced that in the garden. And it leads to struggle. There often is, most often there is. If it was for Jesus, it will be for us. There's a struggle, an epic struggle. I'm going to ask you a question, and I want us just to bow our heads. Will you embrace the cross Will you follow in his steps as he's asked you to? As a way of life. And that means renouncing your selfishness, renouncing all your best laid plans, and saying, Lord Jesus, I have my plans. I know the things I want out of life, but Lord, not my will, but yours be done. Would you say that? Not my will, but yours be done. I surrender all of that because, Father, if there's something else that you want from me, I choose it now. Will you embrace the cross? Will you be unashamed to be a follower of Jesus? Not just in words, but in deeds. Will you surrender? Just stop struggling. And say, Lord, I give up. I surrender. I trust you. We have to remember that crucifixion always precedes resurrection. Will you say with the Apostle Paul, and I want you to say this in your own heart today, I am crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. And now the life I live 
in the body. I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and delivered himself up for me. I am crucified with Christ. And I want us just to end with this prayer. And I'm going to invite the worship team to come. And just in your own way, just follow along with me. Lord, I thank you that you have experienced the same kinds of sorrows that I experience. You know what it feels like to experience loss, humiliation, rejection, ridicule, abandonment. Thank you that you chose to carry my burdens. You took my sins to the cross. Thank you for drinking that cup, the cup of suffering for me. Thank you that in your darkest hour, you surrendered to the will of the Father. I praise you, Lord Jesus, that you bore my sin and my shame on the cross and that you conquered sin and death once and for all when you rose from the dead on the third day. Thank you that you endured all of this for love. And now today, I choose to follow in your steps and to bear my own cross for your sake. I choose the way of the cross. In Jesus' name, amen. Worship team.